Kev. There was a time for talk and a time for action. This day was a time for action. Pop's plan was all set in place, and the Gallardo gang of South Carolina was ready to pull off our first job. I had hustled, boosted, and even done strong-arm robberies, but never in my wildest dreams did I picture that I would be a part of a real-life jewel heist. This was a new level of crime. It had a bigger payday. But if it was unsuccessful, there was a way bigger punishment. That was the downside. If we got caught, we were facing 25 to life easily. Shit. Even if one of us got caught and started snitching, the whole gang would most likely see the inside of a maximum security prison. That was what Pop meant when he said we had to trust each other. We had to have each other's backs and believe that what we were doing was possible. I definitely trusted Fox. Since we had met, we had hardly left one another's side. She was a cool little down-to-earth chick, and the pussy was amazing. I knew that she wouldn't let anything happen to me while we were out pulling off the job, and I felt the same way about her. As far as the other two, I secretly had my doubts. Asia was cool, but she was high-headed. She was straight from New York and reminded us of that every damn chance she got. Personally, I was getting sick of that shit, but one thing I could tell about her was that she went hard. She didn't take any bullshit from anyone, and she stayed on point. You couldn't get anything past her. That was the type of person I wanted out there watching my back on the job. As far as Dominic, I couldn't figure out why he was even down with the gang. He just didn't fit in, in my opinion. I understood what Pop said about needing a straight man, but this dude was a straight square. I tried to bond with him by offering to take him out for a drink or smoke a blunt with him, but he said he didn't do either. The nigga wouldn't even hit the strip club with me. I knew that Pop was smart and experienced, but I had my doubts about how Don was going to handle himself when it came time to get down to business in just a little while. As Fox and I slipped on our all-black outfits, I took another hit of my cush-filled blunt and prayed that God would bless all the trap niggas tonight, especially me. Asia. My job for the night was simple. I was the driver of the decoy car. Pop had gotten his hands on an old Chevy Nova that wasn't registered to anyone. I had my suede Tom Ford gloves on so that I wouldn't leave my fingerprints anywhere on the car. Because when all was said and done, we would be leaving that car behind. I had gotten myself familiar with the whip, which wasn't hard. Because back in New York, we learned to drive like right after we learned to walk. I knew niggas in Brooklyn who had been driving since they were 11. And I was just as nice behind the wheel as they were. The plan Pop had schemed up was genius. The first step was to go scoop up the lovebirds, Kev and Fox. They were going to ride to the scene in the trunk, which was rigged with air holes so they wouldn't suffocate, and also so they could see where we were at all times. Once I spotted the minivan that the jewelry store used as its delivery truck, I had to cut them off in the road. By all means... I had to stop that minivan. Even if it meant crashing into them, I had to stop that fucking minivan. Stopping them was the key to everything because that was where the millions of dollars in gold and diamonds were located. After distracting the drivers, Pop anticipated that they would hop out of the minivan to see why I was in their way. They would be strapped for sure. With their attention focused on me, they would never be expecting Kev and Fox to jump out of the trunk on their asses. Once Kevin Fox put the heat on them, they would get the keys from the driver. Then they would drive the minivan with all the jewelry 
right onto the back of the 18-wheeler that nerd boy Dominic had parked right up the street. I would hop into the front seat with Dominic and Kevin Fox would ride in the back. Finally, we would meet up with Pop back at his place. From there, all of the jewelry on the minivan would be unloaded onto Pop's boat where he would set sail to meet with the people who had agreed to buy the stolen jewels. Once the minivan was empty, it would be pushed off into the lake. And that was that. I knew the plan front and back, and I was ready to make it happen. As I listened to the Chinks Drugs and French Montana song that played on the radio, I pulled up to Kev's place. Just like we had practiced and planned, Kev and Fox came out and hopped into my trunk. Next, I placed a call to Dominic to see if he was where he was supposed to be. Dominic. Hello, Asia. I'm in position in the truck. I'm parked right up the street from the jewelry store. No police are in sight. The whole street is calm and quiet. Everything is a go. Asia informed me that she was on the way and she had Fox and Kev in her trunk. I hope that Kev's unreliable ass hadn't done some stupid nonsense like gotten high and forgotten his gun, but I had no control over anyone else's actions. All I could do was sip on my cafe latte and wait for my team to come through. I wasn't 100% confident in any of these fools, but I trusted Pop's judgment to the absolute fullest degree. If he said that they were capable, then they were capable. That was all there was to it. From talking with Pop, I knew that he was a certified genius. A man didn't get to be as rich as he was without being incredibly intelligent. It was kind of strange that I was sitting in an 18-wheeler truck about to attempt to pull off a multi-million dollar heist considering my background. I had only done one real crime in my life, which consisted of extorting some co-workers. That crime was completely non-violent, relatively easy, and no one was harmed. This jewel heist, however, was really dangerous. If things went wrong, people could actually be killed and I would be partially responsible. All of a sudden, I was having doubts. What if we get caught? What if someone gets hurt? How can I put a price on any of those things? Was it all worth it? I looked down at my hand, and I was shaking nervously. My entire body was covered in a cold sweat. I was nearly paralyzed with apprehension and fear. This Gallardo gang lifestyle simply wasn't for me. All of a sudden, I decided that I didn't want any parts of the heist, no matter how much money was on the line. All week, Kev had been doubting that I was built for this. He was right. I wasn't cut out for this type of level of crime at all. Violence and intimidation were not up my alley. At best, I was a white-collar criminal. It wasn't in my DNA to hurt anyone. I was a nonviolent person. If things went wrong on this heist, innocent people would actually die, and I would have to live with that forever. That was not something I was willing to do. I didn't have to prove myself to any of these people, including Pop. After all, it was just money. I love making money, but I wasn't willing to kill over it. Maybe I wasn't meant to be a millionaire at this point in my life, and I needed to be content with the hundreds of thousands that I was worth. As I sat in the driver's seat of the truck, I realized that I had learned a valuable lesson about life. Some things just weren't worth the risk. I can't do this. However, it was too late. There was Asia pulling onto the block and directly in front of her was the minivan containing the jewelry. I was definitely in over my head, but it was too late to turn back now. Kev. I looked across the dimly lit trunk at Fox's beautiful green eyes underneath her mask. We both knew that Asia bringing the car to a screeching halt could only mean one thing. She had cut off the jewelry truck, and in a matter of seconds, she would be popping the trunk, and it would be time for us to hop out and put in work. I took a deep breath, and then made sure the safety was off of my gun. Fox did the same thing. We both had the Springfield Armory XDS 45mm pistol. 
The hammers were provided courtesy of Pops Gun Connect and were equipped with night vision beams, rubber grips, and of course, obliterated serial numbers in case we had to toss them down somewhere. The blunt that I had smoked didn't even matter anymore because the tension was thick and had completely blown my high. Fox's eyes looked focused and I knew that I could count on her. As I looked over at her, I realized at that very moment that I was in love with her. I know that I hadn't known her long and it may sound crazy, but that was how falling in love worked for me. The other two times that I had fallen in love, I could also pinpoint the exact moment when it had happened. For Fox, I knew that this was the moment, and without any words, I could tell that she loved me back too. I was a street nigga, but I still had a heart. Regardless of my emotions, it wasn't the time to be acting all lovey-dovey. It was time to focus. As I listened to Asia argue with the drivers of the jewelry truck, I knew our moment was coming in any second. Yo, don't be walking up on my fucking car. I don't care if I did cut you off. You don't know me like that. I'll move my car when I'm good and goddamn ready. I could hear Asia yell. Asia was selling herself really well, and she had the drivers of the jewelry truck engaged in a full-on argument with her. They were thinking that the situation was just a case of bad driving and road rage, but little did they know, it was about to get a whole lot deeper than that. Fox. After what seemed like forever, Asia finally popped the trunk. The moonlight shined into me and Kev's faces and knew it was time to spring into action. Like wild cheetahs being freed from captivity, we both pounced out the trunk with our guns in our hands. We exploded around the side of the car where the two drivers were, and before they could even reach for the guns on their waist, my bae, Kev, and I had our burners aimed at each of them. Kev's target was a 30-something-year-old white man just staring down the barrel of the gun. He looked like he was about to have a heart attack. Drop your fucking gun and lay on the floor face down, pussy, barked Kev. Immediately, the man did what he was told. He wasn't being paid nearly enough money to risk his life over some jewelry that didn't even belong to him. He was a smart man. Put your hands behind your head, instructed Kev. The tone in Kev's voice was commanding and assertive, and a person had no choice but to do as they were told when he spoke to them. It was like when we were in bed together, and I would be trying to run from the dick, and he would tell me to lay there and take it like a big girl. As Kev's target lied down on the ground, I looked at the other driver. She was a tall black woman who looked like she couldn't be a day older than 21. She had a petrified look on her face and was standing there shaking. I noticed the keys to the jewelry truck were dangling from her belt. Drop your gun and toss me the keys, bitch, I demanded. Please don't shoot me, she cried out. Drop your gun and give me the fucking keys, I repeated to the hard-headed bitch. Still, she wasn't cooperating. She actually had the nerve to be walking closer towards me. Didn't she see this big-ass gun? Was she fucking retarded or something? I wondered. Look, I got a son. I can't die. I'm all he has in the world, pleaded the woman. Yo, pop one in that hole and get the keys. This is taking too long, said Asia. Yeah, come on, babe. Make it happen. We gotta get up out of here ASAP. Agreed, Kev, as he kept his gun aimed on his target. If this lady would just drop her gun and give me the keys, we would be good. But instead, she was crying out hysterically and causing drama. The fact that she said that she had a son struck a chord with me. Normally, I would have just given her a wig shot and taken the keys off her waistline. But just like me, she was a single black mother trying to provide for her little boy. She was innocent, and God would never forgive me if I took her life. 
As I started to demand the keys one more time, the lady got really bold. In the blink of an eye, she took off running up the street like Jackie Joyner cursing. Yo, shoot her ass. She got the keys to the van. What the fuck is you doing? Screamed Asia. I aimed my 45 at the back of the woman's head and lined up my shot, but I just couldn't force myself to pull the trigger. I couldn't kill a black single mother and never live with myself again, no matter how much money was at stake. Dominic, these idiots, what were they doing out there? Why hadn't Fox shot her like Pop's plan called for if she resisted? How hard was it to follow instructions? Even if she didn't want to kill the sister, she could have popped her in the leg or something. Now our whole plan was going down the drain, and everything that we had done up to this point had been for naught. I could see my dreams of a million dollars fading fast, but I wasn't going to accept that. It was time to take matters into my own hands. I snatched the big rig in the gear and pulled directly into the street. I sat my sights on the woman who was running and mashed the gas. Before I knew it, I was plowing down the street at 50 miles an hour. I collided with the woman and mashed my air brake. The high-speed collision killed her instantly. Her lifeless body went flying through the nighttime air upon the impact. She was airborne and flipping through the air like a trapeze artist in the midst of a stunt. The woman landed about 15 feet in front of my truck. Looking at her body, the realization set in that I had killed her. Her left arm had become completely severed from her body and blood was spewing from her like water from a fire hydrant on a summer day in the ghetto. Amazingly, the keys were still attached to her belt buckle. Fox was just standing in awe, petrified and shocked with fear. Kev was still aiming his gun at the other driver, and Asia was the only one with enough sense to go and get the keys. She bolted up the street, and after dealing with the woman's bloodied body, she managed to retrieve the keys to the jewelry van. Come on, let's get the fuck out of here. Fox was still standing still as a statue until Kev finally dragged her into the direction of the minivan. Asia hopped in and got it started, while the other two piled into the front seat. The plan hadn't gone exactly as we'd hoped, but we were officially in possession of over $5 million worth of jewelry, which was all that mattered. I let up the back door of my truck and then pushed a button to deploy a ramp. That was a feature that Pop had personally installed, and it was a true lifesaver. Asia whipped the van onto the back of my truck, then I brought the ramp back in and closed the door. The next stop was Pop's mansion. 